Well, uh, again, thank you for all who prayed for me when I was on my sabbatical uh, this past three and a half months, April, May, June, and part of July. Um, I appreciate it, especially uh, for my wife, Lynn, who walked beside me. But thank you for your prayers and your concerns and your calls and letters, notes, I mean, and um, meant a lot. <clears throat> Many of you knew that I was struggling with some illnesses even before I uh, took the sabbatical in April, which led to my sabbatical. I, but as a result of not knowing what was going on in my body, um, I got slammed with anxiety. In other words, my body needed rest, and it let me know that I needed to rest. It had been nine and a half years since I had a sabbatical, extended um, a rest, time of rest, and so it became very clear to me that I needed this. In fact, uh, Someone told me that um, anxiety is nothing more than a loss of serotonin, or it's more than that, but uh, it's in large part a loss of your feel-good hormones, serotonin, that gets depleted from your body, like dopamine and serotonin, and these feel-good hormones, uh, due to stress, your body uh, reacts. And I guess I was under stress because I was losing serotonin. I didn't know that at the time, but it was suggested to me that our bodies are like radiators in a car with a little pinhole in them when there's stress, and we slowly leak out fluids. And we can get along town just okay, fine, as long as we're in town. But as long, when we take a road trip out of town, then we will find ourselves on the side of the road with the hood up and steam coming out because we've overheated and we can no longer move forward. That's where I found myself. And uh, I needed to rest. So I needed to plug those holes in my radiator, so to speak, to allow my serotonin to rise again. And so with rest and exercising, eating right, um, medication, things like that, I was able to eventually plug the holes and feel back to normal again. I'm not sure if I developed anxiety because of my illnesses, which were mysteries to me, or if I became ill because I was stressed. I'm not sure, but I had some losses in my life, including the loss of my 97 Buick LeSabre. It was like a loss of a dear friend. And Midway Motor gladly bought it for $750, and I gladly gave it to them. But seriously, um, I did develop COVID for a season, and with massive reflux that I was dealing with, um, it was just kind of a scary thing for me. But then um, I had to deal with a lot of people who passed away, including people in my extended family, a few cousins, and um, it was just really difficult. Um, I might have gotten sick, though, because of the inevitable aging process, or because of my poor eating habits, too much fast food, or because of my unbalanced lifestyle, I needed more exercise, or maybe because I needed more prayer in my life and time with God. I wasn't sure, um, so I needed a sabbatical, so I took it. And what did I do for my sabbatical? And, and you, you, the church, you graciously granted it to me, so thank you so much for that. But what did I do during my sabbatical? It was pretty much a staycation for the first month and a half or so. 
I woke up every morning. I spent time with God. I memorized scripture passages. Um, I filled my mind with worship music. I did a lot of praying and resting. And then mid-morning and uh, afternoon, or at the noon hour, 11, I went and played tennis and or pickleball at the YMCA with some of you. And then in the afternoons when I returned, I did a lot of household projects, and I just worked my tail off, actually, in, within, inside the house and in the yard. And then at nights, I would take walks, and I would talk with Lynn, and visited several different churches on the weekends, and I forced myself to go to church because I wanted to honor God, even when I didn't feel like going. But then the final weeks of my sabbatical, um, we were able to travel because I felt better. Uh, Lynn and I went to Branson for like four or five days. We took a trip to Minnesota to visit Lynn's mom and celebrate a graduation of a niece. Uh, we celebrated Matea, our youngest uh, graduation in Manhattan. Went to Kansas City uh, to visit our daughters when they moved there. Uh, went to, uh, took a trip to Indiana. We visited friends there where we used to serve at the Covenant Church. Uh, we stopped along the way in Iowa at the largest truck stop in America, and that was a serotonin booster, I tell you, right there. Uh, and then we uh, took a trip to New York. We drove to New York for memorial service for my mother and her twin. Uh, they're on the right here when they were younger. My mom's on the far right and her twin sister. They both died within about a year of each other. So we had a huge family reunion in my home state and, and city. And then we ended up um, coming to Chicago as we returned home, stopped and saw another nephew's graduation at Lincoln Tech, and we visited a lot of historical sites along the way, like presidential homes, like the Eisenhower, but just along the way, Lynn and I would stop and just enjoy history. <clears throat> but during the past couple of months, or a few months actually, uh, I'm sorry, past couple of years during COVID, I would pray for friends who got sick or some were struggling with traumatic experiences in their life of injustices. And so I prayed for them very specifically. I joined prayer chains across the nation and it seemed as though God didn't hear my prayers because many of them were not answered the way I had hoped. For example, I prayed for 10 people who ended up in the hospital with COVID. Um, on respirators, and only one returned home. The other nine passed away. And I'm thinking, God, what's going on here? Why aren't you answering my prayers and the prayers of all these prayer chains? What's going on? Was my faith too weak? Do you not care for these people? Then I got sick, as I mentioned, with sinusitis and with COVID and with massive reflux issues and massive fatigue in my life. And I prayed for my own spiritual healing, but why would God choose to heal me when he didn't heal my friends and loved ones? So this led to more head games, more anxiety. I prayed for peace and joy when I felt stuck along the side of the road. I felt I prayed for peace and joy, but these things eluded me for weeks. God said, I will give you perfect peace, but where was it? 
It was lacking in my life. I felt stuck. I felt desperate. I felt afraid. I felt like the psalmist who said, How long, O Lord? I read through the Gospels. I read about these miracles that Jesus performed. I heard testimonies on 700 Club of people who got healed simply because they watched the broadcast. And it seemed that these miracles, though, were somehow not applicable to my situation. Why not me, Lord? What was wrong with me? Why are you so silent in my life week after week after week? And which turned into months. Well, it turns out God did, in fact, hear my prayers and your prayers for me and my wife because I'm here today and I am healed. Well, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thank you for your prayers and Again, all your thoughts and concerns. But I realized, though, in the course of my sabbatical that God doesn't always answer prayer the way we anticipate and would expect. Um, Sometimes he answers yes. Sometimes he answers no. Sometimes he answers slow, grow, or go. So that's the remainder of my outline. Just want to give you a few examples Sometimes the answer is yes. Like Pastor Jeremy mentioned last week when he was overseas, um, he prayed for a colleague who was leading a worship service, a healing service, and when Jeremy prayed for her, she had been sick, but during the course of the service, she was healed. And it became very evident to her. God used Jeremy to pray for healing. He answered yes to that prayer request. Book of James tells us, James in his letter writes, you have not because you ask not. So he encourages us to ask. In Luke 11, Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. I experienced several yes answers, many no's, but One particular yes was uh, I was home probably for about a month and a half, just feeling kind of closed in and and needing freedom. And then I suggested maybe we should go to Branson, Lynn, for part of my sabbatical and do something. But I didn't really feel like it, but I knew I needed to do something. And so we prayed for God's direction. Would it be good for, for me to go? And so Lynn happened to meet with a friend in town that very day, um, and uh, this friend had returned from Branson and so Lynn was sharing maybe we're thinking about going to Branson we're not sure we're praying about it and, and the friend's response was well we have a timeshare we've only used half of the week and there's like three or four more days on it and you can stay at our timeshare for free and so Lynn thought this is an answer to prayer and so she came home and shared it with me and it, it appeared that God was answering our prayer, yes, it's, it's good for you to go. And, and indeed, it was very healthy and life-giving for me, for me and for Lynn and I to go to Branson together. But sometimes God answers no. He sometimes says, I have something better for you. For example, um, when I was a young college student, I took a year off and I auditioned for this band to travel around the country for a year to play guitar and to sing a band called Heart Song. And my brother had toured with them a few years earlier, and I thought, man, that sounds like an awesome opportunity for me. But I got rejected. I got turned down. I didn't make the group. And that was really discouraging for me. 
And so I did other things during that year off and then returned to college and graduated. But then a year after my graduation, I received the unexpected phone call. Hey, we need someone to play the drums in the band. Would you be willing now to join the band, the same group? And I said, yeah, I didn't have to think twice. As a result of joining this group, I played, we played a concert in Chicago, and there was a cute little girl out in the audience at the time who I noticed, and, and I spoke to her afterwards. Her name was Lynn. And she actually was inquiring with me, how, how does one join this group? And so I, was, I, I shared with her. And so she actually joined the band the, the following year when I was concluding my second year. I ended up in Kansas because we toured through Kansas during my two years. And, and uh, in Salina, they were looking for a youth pastor and invited me to be their youth pastor when the tour ended. And so I moved to Kansas. In the course of being a youth pastor, a young, single, lonely youth pastor, this other group toured through Salina again, this new group of, of members. Lynn was in that group. I was reacquainted with her in Salina, and when she saw me, she fell madly in love with me that second time. <laughs> and the rest is history. No. It was actually the other way around. We were reacquainted that week, and after she ended up touring for another year and a half, she moved to Salina. We eventually married, went to seminary, Indiana. And then when we had opportunity to return to Kansas, we jumped at the chance, and here we are in McPherson. What would have happened had, I, had God said yes the first time I, I auditioned? Would I have ever met Lynn, who was probably, uh, I don't know. Would I have ended up in Kansas? I don't know. Sometimes God says no. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was sweating drops of blood due, his, due to his intense stress, Lord God, Father, if there's any other way to allow this cup to pass by and not have to go to the cross, please. And his father said there's no other way. Johnny Erickson Tata became a quadriplegic when she um, ended up diving into a lake as a teenager. She knew that God would heal her. But God didn't heal her physically. A couple of years later, she and her sister heard about this healing service coming to town, Catherine Coleman Healing Service. And so her sister wheeled her into this service. They lined her up in the back of the, of the auditorium with 30 other wheelchairs. And there they all sat, waiting to be called on stage to be healed that night. Nearing the end of the service, um, Ushers came and wheeled every single wheelchair to the elevator out in front of the rest of the group of people, the crowds, so as to not clog the exit. They got into the elevator. They stared at each other. They lost all hope of being healed. God answered, no. Why, God? Why wouldn't you heal these people? Personally, I cried out to, out to God during 13 sleepless nights during my sabbatical. God, you, you, your word says you grant sleep to those you love. Why can't I sleep? Romans 8.28 tells us that God works all things out for the good for those who love the Lord. But, all, but my crises did not, my, my stresses did not seem like good things. They, they seemed very bad. They seemed bitter. 
But God says, I even take your bad things, like your sleepless nights or your illnesses, and I work them all out for the good, your rejections. I work them all out for my, my glory and for your good. Sort of like taking ingredients that you'd throw into a bowl to make a cake. Each individual element might be bitter, like we wouldn't eat salt and raw egg yolks. You know, yeah. But you put them all in together, in the batter, stir it up, throw it in the oven, and it turns out to be pretty good. Better. You, you take the bitter and throw it into the batter, and it makes better. And so God does that with us too. He takes even the bitter stresses in our life or, or the, the tragedies in our life, and he will work them out for good for those who love the Lord and for his glory. For example, Johnny Erickson Tata was not healed physically that night or in the years to come, but her spirit was healed. And God raised her up to become this mighty speaker. And I heard her at Wheaton College Chapel one, one day, and she was amazing and inspirational, and she gave hope to the hopeless. She, she's been used to write books and to write music and make records and and do art project painting with her mouth. God gave her hope not just for the future. One day you'll be whole, whole in heaven, but gave her hope even for the present, for, uh, for, for to be used for his purposes, for his glory. Luke 11, which of you fathers, if, you son, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If men, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That verse came to life for me. God, you might not be giving me healing right away. You might not be allowing me to sleep through the night during some nights. You won't be, I may not feel your peace and joy, but you've promised you'd give your Holy Spirit to me. And you are with me, even when I don't feel you. Sometimes God answers slow. Yes, your miracle will come, but not right away. It will come incrementally. Ask, seek, and knock are in the imperfect tense. Asking it will be given. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. The persistent widow in Luke 18, Jesus uh, taught this parable and said, there was a widow in that town who kept coming to a judge with a plea, grant me justice against my ad adversary. And the Lord said, listen to what the judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Lynn and I had neighbors in Indiana. We'll call them June and Eddie to protect their names, but but. June was a prayer warrior. She, went to, she prayed for her husband for years who would not attend church with her. Instead, the older he got, the grumpier he got, more cantankerous he, he became, so much so that his family members and grandkids didn't even want to come to his house. Uh, but June continued to pray for her husband. Well, as it turns out, he developed some sort of illness, cancer or something, and um, it, was, it wasn't a good diagnosis. So I went to visit him one, one day, and sitting in his living room, I remember him looking at me, and he's saying, well, John, I did it. 
upstairs last night. I said, what did you do, Eddie? Well, you know, I, I, I did it. I, I prayed. I asked Jesus to come into my life. And for the next three weeks of his life on earth, he was transformed. Literally, before my eyes, he was transformed. <clears throat> so much so that I called up his son. I said, you got to come and see your dad. He's a different guy. We ended up singing hymns to him. I brought my guitar over, and he was radiant with the joy of Christ, even on his deathbed. The Lord had answered his wife's prayers, but it took many, many years. Lamentations tells us, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. But sometimes we experience his provision in ways, but sometimes, though, we don't experience complete healing this side of heaven, be it emotional or physical or whatnot. Hebrews 11, we're told of these, it's, it's like the hall of fame for faith. We're told that all of these, Abraham, Moses, they were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised in full. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So our final healing will obviously come in, in God's presence one day in our eternal home. And then sometimes God says, okay, I'm going to answer your prayers, but you're going to grow at this point in time. I'm going to deepen our relationship during this desperate time in your life. My second to last sermon that I preached before I needed a sabbatical came from Philippians. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of participating in his sufferings. I was saying, man, I do want to know you, Jesus. I want to know your power. But the suffering peace, you know, I can live without. But the Lord apparently heard that prayer and he allowed me to suffer. Another one of the scriptures where God met me during my sabbatical was the parable of the sower, where the farmer went out and he sowed seeds among the ground, you know, and he, some along the hard path, and nothing grew, some along the rocky soil, and it grew, but then because the, the, the soil was shallow, it withered. Some was grown among the thorns, and the, the plant grew up with the thorns, and the thorns choked out the plant, and it withered, and some in good ground, which produced. And then uh, we know that story, right? And then Jesus explained the story. We won't read the scripture this morning. Uh, you can read that. But the soil represents the conditions of one's heart. The hard path represented the heart of the unbeliever who, can, who cannot receive the message of the truth of God's word because their hearts are hard. The rocky soil represents one who encounters troubles or persecution in their lives and they fall away and they doubt God because their heart and their relationship with God is shallow. And then the thorny soil represents the people with worries of this life, Jesus said, or they, get, they succumb to the deceitfulness of wealth and what wealth can buy. They become distracted and their hearts become distracted by idols. And, and then the good soil represents one who hears and understands and receives the truth and they produce a fruit for God's kingdom. It's the seeking heart. Well, God revealed to me during my sabbatical that the condition of my heart had become shallow and distracted. 
the soil of my heart was rocky because when sickness came and stresses and questions came into my life, I realized that my time and intimacy with God had become shallow. It had become obligatory and duty-driven and lax and inconsistent. I spent time in God's Word because I was preparing for a sermon, not because I wanted to seek after Him. And then God revealed to me that my heart also was surrounded by the thorny lives of distractions. When worries came into my life, these worries choked out uh, the faith because of the trials. I'd come to rely on worldly comforts to, to appease my worries. For example, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd go to the refrigerator and get junk food, or I'd go out to fast food or go to, the, go to a convenience store and get a big gulp or, or free, icy or something. Or I went out and just did recreational activities, or I'd flip on the TV and watch sports all night long, or whatever, you know, to appease my worries. And God said, you know what? They are not going to satisfy you. And when I hit, when I was slammed with anxiety, they didn't satisfy me one bit. Looking at Facebook, playing games on the computer, none of these things satisfied me, would even give me a remote glimpse of peace and joy. The only thing that brought any semblance of comfort was the person of Jesus. And then I recalled that real, the real growth and strength of a tree happens during the winter months when there's no fruit on the trees, there's no beauty of the leaves or flowers or buds on the trees. In fact, they look barren, they look lonely, they look unproductive, but the real work is going on during the dark winter storms underneath the ground. The roots are going deeper and deeper and deeper. And the Lord revealed to me, John, you're in, in the winter month right now, even in the midst of summer. You are going through a spiritual winter of darkness, the dark night of the soul. But don't think for a moment that I've, I've left you. I'm with you. Your roots are going down deeper into relationship with me, your only source of strength, grace, and peace. He was preparing me, refining me, transforming me, and deepening my relationship with him that I might become even more fruitful for his kingdom and glory. You see, when our relationships with God are transactional, like I pray something and God says immediately, he answers it, okay, here's my blessing. I'm going to bless you because you prayed. Sometimes he does that. But when they're transactional, then we praise God and say, the Lord answered my prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. But sometimes God says, I don't want your relationship with me to be transactional. I want it to be transformational. What does that mean? He said, when I don't give you what you want, Are you still going to seek after me and love me? Are you still going to deepen your relationship with me even when you don't feel my presence? Because those are the times when I'm transforming you and your roots are going down deeper and deeper. And I will be faithful. I will never leave you or forsake you. And so the Lord reminded me of that even as I was literally crying out with real tears night after night, God, what is going on in my life? He gave me a sense that I'm still here, even though you don't feel my joy or experience my peace, I'm here. Will you still love me? Will you still seek me when you don't get the blessings that you expect? And I said, yes, Lord, I will. It stinks, but I will. (laughs) 
And then finally, sometimes God says, go. Go. People oftentimes come to me and say, Pastor, we need this ministry in our church. We need to start a ministry for this or this. Like, well, for example, let's get a college ministry. We need a college ministry. We have three colleges in town, if you include Hutch Juco. You know, we, and we should have a college ministry. And so my response is always, we should. What is God telling you about that? Why did God lay that burden on you? Why don't we have a college ministry here? Well, that's what I'm asking you. Well, I'm asking that to you. Maybe God's raising you up to spearhead this or partner with folks. Let's pray about that together. We need to take a step of faith. Sometimes when we pray, God says, you are the answer to your prayer. The burden I've given you, you are going to be the vessel to take care of that. Faith is not so much seeing as believing. Um, This will make sense in a moment. Oftentimes, Jesus' opposition would say, Jesus, give us a miracle. Show us a miracle. Show us a sign and a wonder, then we'll believe in you. And Jesus would say, I'm not going to do that. But even when he did occasionally heal someone before his opposition, still they hated him all the more, once, even, even though they witnessed a miracle. So seeing is not always believing. That's what we want, though. Rather, he says, faith is believing is seeing. For example, Peter got out of the boat before he walked on the water. Moses held his staff in the air before the sea divided. David moved out against Goliath before he slew Goliath. The bleeding woman reached out to Jesus, touched the hem of his robe before she experienced healing. Sometimes our prayers Jesus is saying, go. Step out in faith. Well, perhaps you're struggling in prayer. Perhaps you're weighed down with a burden. Perhaps you are um, struggling with a lot of stress in your life like, like I was. Don't doubt for a second that God is not hearing your prayers. He is hearing your prayers and he's answering your prayers. Maybe not in the way that you expect. He could maybe answer, yes, I've been waiting for you to pray this. Today, your answer will come. Sometimes he'll say, no, because I've got something far better for you. Sometimes he'll say, slow, my answer is yes, but it will be a process. Continue to persevere in prayer. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. Sometimes God says, yes, I'm going to answer your prayer, but you're going to grow through this painful experience. Your your roots are going to go deeper and deeper. And that's my answer to prayer. My answer is really offering you myself. And then finally, God can say, yes, I'll answer your prayer, and the answer will be your servanthood. I'm waiting for you to take a step of obedience, because believing is seeing. Let's pray. And so, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this church. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. We all have troubles in our lives at times. We all have things that cause us worry and anxiety and and fear, Lord, because we live in a really fallen and broken and painful world. And so, Lord, I, I pray, God, that we'll never lose sight, that you are a faithful God. You will never fail us, even when it doesn't feel like 
you're answering in the way that we would desire. You are faithful. So continue to reveal yourself to each one of us, Lord, as we look to you. In Christ's name, amen.